The Free For All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore. He'll be back with you next week. And joining me on the panel, Tim Hudak, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives. He's now with the Ontario Real Estate Association. Power Group Communications and host of the O Show, Laura Babcock. And Mark Warner, international trade lawyer. So, Laura, I wonder if you've experienced what I have this morning. I'm looking at my Instagram feed, and I think I'm seeing a change. I don't think I'm getting some of the, the links and the news as threatened by Meta uh, that I was getting before. I'm seeing just mostly advertising in Six Buzz TV. Well, you know what, Jerry? Actually, I have never gotten my news from Instagram or Facebook. I'm on the platforms, but I use them only to post and to promote conversation. I never, ever track the threads. So to me, I'm not noticing it there. But what I am noticing this morning is as I'm going through the uh, links to the stories that I've been provided by the station, I'm getting all kinds of push notifications from other media, from broadcasters to give updates. And I don't remember ever being inundated quite like that. So I might be seeing it on the other side of these broadcasters trying to leverage this moment uh, to get, you know, people more inclined to get their news from them. But I I tend to get my news from more traditional media, uh, you know, worldwide news, that kind of stuff, and and the major newspapers in the U.S. and in Canada. All right. Well, earlier this morning, Mark, I talked to Dr. Michael Geist. He's a Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the Center for Law, Technology, and Society at the University of Ottawa, and uh, he says the whole thing comes down to a badly crafted law that the Canadian government is pushing. Do we have a trade issue here at all? Oh, yes, <laughs> we do. I mean, this is, yeah, and they were warned about this. This is what comes from a government that governs by press release, uh, does press policy by press releases. Um, yeah, everybody's told them that uh, clearly this is a violation of the USMCA agreement. There is a cultural exemption to that that people like to cite, but essentially it's not what the government tries to say it is. It means that if we, if they do invoke the exemption, we'll have to pay compensation in equivalent value. And that will be in the trillions of dollars. So, um, you know, it, this is nuts, it's, but this is typical, par for the course for this government. And um, we'll see whether they actually go through with it. They seem to have been backing down a little bit with respect to one of the companies, Google. But ultimately, uh, you know, the, the, I saw that some of the government ministers were um, tweeting about market power, which is a competition and sort of act type phrase yesterday. And um but the funny thing is they didn't talk about advertising power in the actual government bill. So they're, they're so they're so off the deep end on this stuff. Unfortunately, it's, it's just bad policy. OK, uh, but there's a real issue here, Tim. Uh, media outlets are finding it harder and harder to be able to sell advertising for their product because while their product is popular, the advertising dollars are flowing to Google and Meta and people who didn't spend a penny developing that content. Yeah, it really is a, a lose-lose situation here, right? I mean, it's a, it's a loss of part of the value of the social media uh, platforms. It's a potential loss for Canadian media because we don't get the information. Uh, but it's a loss of revenue if you don't do something about it for the uh, the media. Look, it, it seems to me, Jerry, that this is an issue in every country. I know New Zealand is now down a similar path to Canada. Australia has been through this battle, I think, ended up in a, in a decent solution. So it seems to me that there should be a standard set, at least among like countries. Uh, in that way, it's easier to negotiate with these large, you know, multinational corporations as well to have a fair balance between my ability to access the news, get the information from various outlets, but some form of compensation going back to those who do the work, the heavy lifting, and write those stories. 
I'm going to stay with you for a moment because of your job at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Tenants at three East York buildings are rallying at their landlord's office, demanding fair treatment and affordable housing. They went on a rent strike, and they haven't paid their rent for something like four months, and now they're getting eviction notices. Well, we know here in Ontario it might take another seven or eight months to get them evicted, or seven or eight months to even get a hearing at the landlord and tenant board, which seems completely useless. How are you looking at this issue? Well, you make a good point, and I'll I'll come back to that. Look, I mean, one of my lessons in life, if you don't stand up, you don't grab the the microphone, uh, then people will never hear you. So I think it's always important people to protest if they think they're being treated unfairly and drive those points. But you also have to pay the rent, right? You also have to pay the rent. So you can't go off uh, the deep end at the end of the day. We're in an affordability crisis in the GTA in in Canada, and it really manifests itself most through through groceries and on the housing side. The fact that we don't have enough homes for people to move into, to buy, first-time home buyers that they can afford, Jerry, then spills into the rental market because you have more people in rentals who wouldn't be there driving up prices to get into the marketplace. What are the fixes? Build more homes faster than people can afford, both to own and to rent, Knock down outdated red tape and bylaws that stand in the way. And to your point, Jerry Agar, fix a landlord-tenant tribunal so it can actually, you know, be a an unbiased body to call it as they see it within the laws. But get those cases decided quickly so we can get building again and help people get homes they can afford. All right. So, Laura, how does that whole issue look to you? Well, we need deeply affordable housing. We need some of these large houses easily converted into multi-units, right? We need to get rid of, as Tim said, some of the red tape that's preventing more housing stock that could be ready to go right away to get on the market right away. And we need to, and this is no surprise, less emphasis on going in the green belt and building big single houses, more emphasis on immediately densifying these urban centers where we're seeing so many people move to, whether they're refugees or whether or not they are asylum seekers or whether or not they are people in poverty who are looking for services. We need to have more deeply affordable housing as an absolute priority and little housing announcements here and there, a little bit here, a little bit there, drop in the bucket, not going to alleviate this. So I think a lot of other places are going to be watching this and going to be saying with, you know, what are these tenants fighting against? They weren't fighting against the average cost of living. They were fighting against their landlords, as I read the story, asking for more of an annual rent increase, right? And so, yes, get the tribunals hearing these cases. If the landlords are being unfair, then these tenants can have some peace of mind. But this is going to keep happening, Jerry, because people have no other alternative. Unless, and we might talk about this, I know the grocery uh, limits come in, unless there's some kind of alleviation in the system, people are going to actually grab that microphone and start to make these kind of protests with their money. Okay, but Mark, uh, a lot of people who argue this want to pretend that increases in prices don't affect landlords. Well, exactly. And, uh, you know, we don't want to have turn rental property into slum property. We want people to make uh, improvements on their on their prop owners to make improvement on their property as well. Also, you know, when we talk about landlords, I think it's important to remember that not every landlord landlord is Cadillac Fairview. I mean, a lot of landlords are are people who are middle class people who owned houses. Of course, in Justin Trudeau's Canada, we define middle class as being fairly low level of income, but he's a trust fund kid, so he doesn't know anything about money to begin with. But that's part of the problem here. Um, and so we're hurting. Who are you hurting? You're hurting the man. So the man is some middle-class person who's saving for a house and is renting out some space. This this sort of thing sounds good, but you've really got to get into the weeds. We do have to build more. 
we have to figure out a way to create incentives for building more, which probably means we have to look at the regulations that are out there that inhibit building. It's not a matter of just sticking cash from which is coming from who, from where, I don't know. We got to find to do that. But it means we might have to change some policies and some rules and some regulations to make it uh, make, facilitate this sort of construction that we want. All right. Um, well, uh, Laura touched on this. Vaz Besnar, who you've heard on this radio station frequently, has an article in the Globe and Mail today, or a column, an opinion piece. It's time for the government to step in to freeze grocery prices. Now, Vaz is going to join me just after the 8 o'clock news to expand on this. But, Laura, it sounded like you agree with her. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good uh, rationale for doing it. And I was listening closely to your interview with the head of the Daily Bread Food Bank yesterday, Jerry. And the food banks are absolutely a capacity. It's it's nuts that so many people in a country as wealthy, relatively as Canada, uh, are having to rely on food banks. And, you know, and he was saying people with disabilities, there's no chance of surviving without a food bank that couldn't possibly cover their, their rents, right? So even if you go past people who are on disability benefits, there are so many people flooding the food bank. It has gone up by hundreds of percent. So why? What is happening? What is happening is that groceries have gone up 18%. We've seen this inflation between the housing story we just talked about and the grocery prices. I don't care who you are, unless you're a rich or a trust fund baby, it is getting really difficult. And our standard of life, our quality of life is dropping. What is the solution? Good argument. It's not going to cause stagflation because we're talking about just a small part of the grocery market. Let's get the government involved across the entire sector to make Make sure, not to give us money that helps profit these grocers, but make sure there's affordable products on the shelves for Canadians. It's been done before. It can be done again. All right. So uh, before we get to Mark, who thinks that's really funny, uh-huh. I'm going to go to Tim Hudak because you're an actual economist, Tim Hudak. And I, I maybe you'll disagree with me, but from my study of economics, I'm alarmed whenever the government comes along and, and puts in price controls because they can absolutely mandate price. They can't do anything about cost, and they generally don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, my 25 uh, years in public life, I guess, plus now, Jerry, I, I often don't think the solution is when it comes to the private sector, let's get more government, right? Ronald Reagan's famous uh, most uh, seven feared words in the English language. I'm from government and I'm here to help. Look, they, they will mess this up. They'll drive up prices. And, you know, some things that were great about the 1970s, I'm enjoying the Bee Gees music again, but bringing back a Pierre Elliott Trudeau policy to freeze prices with a modern twist, it simply will fail like it did in the past. It's actually built Builds up pressure uh, underneath the uh, the price cap. It actually signals to producers to come in at that price instead of competing to to lower it. It mixes up signals in the marketplace in terms of ways to save on programs, and it can actually build upon further caps by causing things to increase in prices. It is a bad idea. Here's what government could do, Jerry: is actually get, get out of the way. We have systems of supply management in some parts of uh, basic food production that actually artificially increases prices. The carbon tax drives up shipping costs. I could go on and on. I'm looking forward to Mark's comments on this. But, man, government, that'll make it worse. Mark? You know, I don't, I, 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 obviously, I do share a lot of what uh, what Tim said. I am an economist, by the way. You guys have this way of trying to stick me into two different categories. It's weird. But well, you I, have to tell us lawyer. that. I have a master's degree in economics from UT on these kind of subjects, and I practice at the OECD and all that, but I know okay. it's confusing. But yes, so yes, John, Tim is absolutely right. And look, the 1970s thing was really bad, right? That's why we ended up, you know, getting when Trudeau left, when the first Trudeau left, we Mulroney came in and reversed everything he did. 
Um, and we actually developed as a country and understood the way you deal with inflation is through the interest rates and then through cutting down the rate of growth of the de deficit, and the debts and that sort of thing. We realized that that sort of stuff that Trudeau was doing, the first Trudeau, was wrong. I'm amazed that a young person, I know I got Bass upset at me this morning on Twitter, so apologies, Bass, for calling her young, but I'm amazed at young people, younger people than me, write this stuff about the 70s. Where are they learning this? But what about the That's, France? She was talking about France recently doing this, right? No, she, she talked was, she was, yeah, fr fr she talked about the United States under Trudeau, specifically in the article. That's what she, she specifically said. And she also I'm talked about, about, about the French model. She yeah, talked but, about the French model. Yeah, what about that? What she talked about Pierre Trudeau, her actual phrase, for price controls aren't a bad idea. They were introduced in the Anti-Inflation Act in 1975, which imposed price controls. It was a failure. I was Everyone talking about you know, French. The recently yeah, the French government about, has done this. Okay, well you're I'm picking something wrote. from the I'm article. About, I'm talking well, about what yeah, she yeah, wrote I'm about the French what model. Wrote, what about Laura, that, Laura? Uh, Laura, I'm picking about what she wrote. I'm talking. Okay, about she also talked about what France okay, is Laura, doing. Laura, Laura, nobody I'm interrupted you. Okay, but uh, it's not just about that one line. She talked about the French. It's more than a line. She talked about an example in Canada, which she said thought she thought worked, and it failed in the 1970s. And people who are really economists, I actually don't know what Bass's background is. You want to pick on someone for not being an economist. But, um, yeah, it was a failure. And economists think it was a failure. I'm sorry, that's what we think. All right. Um, uh, as much as I enjoy you uh, yelling at one another at the same time, uh, we're out of time. And uh, Vaz Bednar herself will defend her column suggesting the government needs to affect price control on groceries coming up after the news on News Talk 1010.